Please take out your Bibles tonight and turn to the Gospel of John. Seem to be spending a lot of time there of late, and that's okay. You know, the apostles are known, certain of them are known for certain words and traits that they wrote a lot about. For example, when you talk about the Apostle Paul, people often talk about him as the Apostle of Grace. I believe he used that word more than any of the others did. And we've all heard, of course, that John is the Apostle of Love, because John wrote so much about love. But John is also, or seems to also be known for some other words, some other things that he is recognized as having as one of his top priorities. One of those, if you think about John, was that John was always seeking to try to get us to understand the absolute essentiality of belief. Belief is a word that's often associated with John. Belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God. Most quoted verse in the Bible, John 3.16. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes. And that is the theme in the Gospel of John. In John 17, verses 20 and 21, where Jesus' prayer is recorded, John quotes Jesus as saying, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. John was all about getting us to understand how essential it is to believe in Jesus. In fact, in John 20, if we were to look beginning at verse 24, we see the account of Thomas. And it says in verse 24, Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We've seen the Lord. So he said to them, Lest I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print, I'm sorry, put my, let me start over. Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace to you. And he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so John is all about convincing us, getting us to truly believe with all of our hearts and minds and souls and strength that Jesus is the Son of the living God. Because that's the only way we can have eternal life. However, there's another word. Another word that is seen throughout the Gospel according to John as well as 1 John. In fact, in the Gospel of John and 1 John combined, this word occurs 62 times. That's a lot of times. 62 times in 51 verses. It is another word that lies at the heart and soul of many of the most well-known verses in the Gospel according to John. It's a word that you and I 
must be acutely aware of. It's a word that you and I must lay a hold of. It is a word that you and I must hang on to every way that we possibly can because it is absolutely a matter of eternal life and death. What is this word? What is this word that lies at the center of so many of John's writing and the truth which he wants to convey to us to save our eternal souls? What is this word? What is it that John's gospel is so full of and that we need to so much take a hold of? What is that word that makes the difference between eternal life and death? 62 times in 51 verses. You know what it is? No. Life. Life. John's epistles are all about life. Think about that. In the spring, you know, we see the trees budding and, you know, we see everything coming to life and, you know, a lot of, lot of animals in nature give birth in the spring and it's a time of life. And, and brethren, we need all the life that we can get a hold of. We are a, a graying congregation and it is so wonderful when we hear the little ones and children and we're reminded that there's life and life is a beautiful, wonderful, awesome thing. And John's gospel is just brimming over with life. It is one of the main themes in his writings. Turn to me tonight. Let's take a look at a number of these. Not at all of them because of time, but beginning right in John chapter 1 and verse 1. We're going to spend most all of our time tonight here and a little bit in 1 John. But John 1, 1 through 4, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. Folks, there is no life anywhere else except in Jesus Christ. That's the point of John's Gospel, and that's what he, he, he sets it right out there in the very beginning. This is all about life living. In John chapter 3, of course, the verses surrounding John 3.16 read as follows, beginning at verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, today, one of those words that loses it, there's a lot of words that we use so much, they kind of lose their meaning. They lose their impact. One of those words, as I used to say, is the word love. Okay? I love my wife, I love chocolate, I love the dog, I, you know, it, it, different, they're different, but, but it loses the impact of what love is all about. And we hear that word love so often that it kind of, it, it loses something. Well, this word life, when it comes to eternal life and everlasting life, we as Christians hear the word eternal life so much that it kind of loses its value. It kind of, we kind of skip over. It's like, well, yeah, we got eternal life. Really? 
We need to appreciate the fact that we have this life. And John's Gospel is all about it. And every time we see the term in the Bible, eternal life, everlasting life, verse 15, it talks about eternal life. Verse 16 is everlasting life. That ought to reach right out and grab us when we're having one of those days. I have life. I have eternal life. This problem that I have is not eternal. It's not everlasting. But what I have in Christ Jesus is eternal life. Life. A relationship with the giver of life. A relationship with the creator. I get to be a child of God. I have life. And John's gospel is all about life. Turn to me to John 4. In John 4, beginning at verse 12, the Samaritan woman at the well says to Jesus, Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I'll give him will never thirst. But the water that I'll give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You know, we talk about the story of the woman at the well and we talk about, you know, the five husbands and how Jesus talked to her from a different direction and she dropped her water pot and she went into town and we talk about, we kind of glaze right over that term, everlasting life. Don't miss how critical and important and special it is when Jesus says, whoever believes in me, this, this water I give him will spring up in him to a fountain of everlasting life. That's what John's gospel is all about. If you look in John 5, look at verse 21. Jesus said, For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. How grateful are you tonight that Jesus Christ has given you life? Consider that. Think about it. Look at the rest of this chapter, excerpts anyway. Look at verse 24, John 5, in verse 24. And think about the blessing. Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Brethren, we're not going to know until we get there that day, but when we, when we get there and we get before the throne of God on that final judgment day as depicted in Revelation chapter 20, and we come before God and the earth is fled away and everything's gone and, and people are being judged and people are, are going into eternal hell and the flames and the fire. If we have Jesus as our advocate, we get to skip that judgment. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you're going to have life and you don't have to. You pass from death to life and, and you'll not come into judgment. In this same sense, he goes on and he says, Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Paul tells the Philippians they were dead in their sins, but God intervened. And if we hear Jesus and we listen to him, we have eternal life. Look at verse 26. For as the Father has given life in himself, I'm sorry, as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he's the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection, here's our word, of life. And those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. We go further in this same chapter to verse 39. Jesus said to them, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. 
but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. And I want to stop right there and I want us to, to think about the sadness of these two verses and what Jesus is trying to let us know. We probably all know people who know their Bibles fairly well, right? Outside the church. People that got a smattering of Bible knowledge. They search the scriptures because they think that in those there is eternal life. But yet, when it comes right down to the nitty-gritty, they refuse to come to Jesus. They refuse to do what Jesus said. They refuse to accept his authority as Lord and Master to say, you have got to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. They know the Bible. They think that in the Word of God there is this eternal life. And yet, what they read there about the authority of the Son of God, they don't ever really come to God and submit to his authority. And that is so sad, but that's what Jesus is talking about. In John chapter 6... We see the word life 11 times. And in John chapter 6, those 11 times, that's relating how Jesus is desperately trying to convince those around him that he's the bread of life. That he is the sustenance that gives life. That he is the sustenance, as Josh Ortiz so eloquently put it, the Wednesday night he was here for our summer series. That Jesus is that spiritual bread that must be taken into their hearts and their souls and their minds. That he must be taken in if they would inherit any chance of eternal life. We see this in verses like 35, John 6. Look at verse 35. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But there's our word life. We see it again in verse 40. Jesus said, this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I'll raise him up at the last day. I am so grateful to be a Christian. I wasn't raised in the church. But I am so grateful to know Jesus Christ. To know that through no goodness of my own, but through the blood of Christ, that on that last day, Jesus said, I will raise you up. And that I don't have to go through that judgment that will condemn me for eternal hell because Jesus already paid for every sin I have ever committed. Isn't God awesome? And I have life. And Jesus said, I'll raise you up on the last day. And I trust him that he will. Verse 47. Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. And we all know the belief there is talking about a belief that believes enough to submit and obey. Jesus went on to say, I am the bread of, there's our word, life. This is what this is all about, is life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, they're dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Jesus said, I'm all about life. You've got to come to me that you can have life. But I will give it to you and I'll raise you up and you'll have eternal life. And that's what John's theme is throughout. One of his prominent themes. Look at verses 53 and 54. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Folks, there's no life outside of Jesus. You say, well, I'm alive. You say, well, people out there are alive. No, they're dead in their sins, according to Ephesians chapter 2. They may have physical life, but they don't have spiritual life. They don't have a relationship with God if they're not in Christ. The only way that we have life in Christ is to be in Christ. 
This is where the life is. And that's what Jesus said. He said in verse 54, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I trust Jesus is going to do what he said, don't you? And ain't that marvelous? He goes on to say in verse 63, It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. Then he explains what he meant. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. A person who does not abide in the word of God cannot know life as we know it through Christ because Jesus said these are the words of life. And even Peter got it. Peter, of all people, got it. What did he say down here in verse 68? He said, you had the words of what? Eternal life. There is no life aside from Jesus and the word of God. We would go forward now to John chapter 10. There's no spiritual life, that is. We would look forward to John 10, verses 9 and 10. Jesus said, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life. But praise God, it doesn't stop there. Look at the rest of that sentence. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now church, Jesus came to give us not just life, if I can, you know, put that in quotes, because that's a marvelous gift. Jesus doesn't want us to just survive. Just have life. What did he say he came to do? Give you life more abundantly. Jesus came to give us abundant life. What does that mean? That means that even when this earthly life throws bad things at me, as we've talked about before, if I can get my focus, God doesn't want me beaten down. We all get beaten up, but he wasn't, doesn't want us beaten down. We have this treasure in these earthen vessels, as Paul wrote to the Corinthian brethren in the first century. And life may beat us up, but it can't beat us down. Not if we latch on to Jesus. Jesus said, I came to give you life and to, have it, to give it to you more abundantly. And look at the promise we have in verses 27 and 8 of John 10. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. What a beautiful couple of verses. I need those two verses. I know, because I trust Jesus Christ, that if I will listen to him, and I will follow him, if I'm not just a hearer, but a hearer and a doer, if I will listen to his voice, and follow him, and do what he says, he knows me. That's what he said right there, didn't he? He said, I know my sheep. And I give them eternal, and no one, no one, not Satan, not the hordes of hell, not the worst person on, no one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. I know that all I got to do is listen to Jesus and follow him and follow what he said. 
And Jesus said in verse 29, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one's able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Do you know what that means? That means if I listen to Jesus and I follow him, he gives me eternal life. And in order for somebody to take that eternal life away from me, they've got to go through God first. Good luck with that. John's Gospel account is overflowing with life. Look in John 11, verses 25 and 6, story of Lazarus. Mary and Martha, look what Jesus says in verses 25 and 6. Jesus says there to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Notice that's not plural. There's only one. He's it. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Church, do you believe that? I believe that. If we look in John 12, and I hope that this next time you read through the Gospel of John will kind of come back to you and just talk about a cup overflowing. This Gospel is just overflowing with life. It's just everywhere. John 12 verses 24 through 26 read as follows. Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. There's nothing in this world worth hanging on to. It's worth pursuing at the cost of losing the eternal life. We must die to self. We must not love our own life. We must die to self and love the life that Jesus holds out for us to have and serve him. Of course, we're all very familiar with John 14 and verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, except through me. There's one way to God, there's one way to eternal life. Jesus didn't just say, I am the way to life. Jesus said, I am the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you're going to get to God, you've got to go through me. Of course, we see in John 17, as John records that prayer of Jesus in verses 1 through 3, it says this, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus said, that's where life is. Do you know Jesus? Jesus had said in John 14, if you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father. If we know who Jesus is, if we have studied him and we continue to study him and we continue to understand him and we continue to see Jesus, we see his love and his mercy and his compassion and his grace. We see his patience with people that fall and falter and we see everything that Jesus is. We come to know him and we come to know God's personality and what God is like through Jesus. And he said, that's eternal life, if you know me and know my Father. The whole point of John's writing, his gospel, is that we might truly have life. Yes, belief, but also life. Look with me in John 20, verse 30 and 31. Truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. 
But these are written that you may believe. Remember, belief is one of the key topics and themes of John. These are written that you may believe, but it doesn't stop there, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have what? Life. The whole point of John trying to get us to believe in Jesus and believe that we need to follow him. He is the Son of God and he has all this authority. The whole point that John is trying to get across to us to believe has a purpose. Why? That we may have eternal life. John 3 and verse 16. The Gospel of John is all about life. If you go to the book of 1 John, and I will ask you to do that, we see the word life another 15 times in 12 verses in five short chapters, including, just like when John wrote the Gospel, we looked at John 1, 1 through 3, 1 through 4. Well, when he wrote 1 John, we'd look at 1 John 1, 1 through 3 as well. Look what he says. Sets the stage right at the beginning. 1 John 1, 1 through 3, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, containing the word, concerning the word of life. John's telling you, everything I'm telling you is about life, eternal life. He says in verse 2, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was made known or manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. First John's all about life. It's all about how those people who through Christ have, have passed from death into life, into eternal life, into this relationship with God. And he says in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, that there's no life in the things of the world. He says in 1 John 2.15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God, guess what? Abides forever, lives forever, has eternal life. Brethren, I want eternal life. And there's nothing on this planet... It's worth throwing away your eternal life for nothing. And that's a point that John is trying to get across. And he gets into it in 1 John 3, beginning at verse 13, and he tells you about this life. This is one of those rubber meets the road, 316 passages. John 3, 13 through 16, he says, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides or stays in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. What's he talking about? What is this idea here that we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren? I know this probably won't come as a shock to most of you, but not every one of you brothers and sisters in Christ is exactly like you are. We're kind of a strange bunch. Not locally, but the, the church. Some think about the church. You have brothers and sisters from every walk of life. You have brothers and sisters who don't agree with you on every little point of opinion. 
You have brothers and sisters who don't like the same things in a lot of cases that you really think are great and maybe vice versa. I mean, you cannot put the million plus of us together and all of us be the same, right? I mean, we can't even put 60 of us together and have us all be the same. Otherwise, we'd all have, we'd have like 30 vehicles outside and every one of them be the same make and color. But that's not who we are, is it? We're different. And so what's his point? His point is this. We know we've passed from death to life because we can truly love even those whom we don't always agree with. Because we can love even those people that are different from us. We can love even those people that sometimes drive us a little nuts. And we can love them enough to put them first instead of ourselves. That's 1 John 3, 13-17. We can love them enough to still put them first and we can do that because Jesus has shown us how. Verse 16, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's how we know we've passed from death to life because we're coming more Christ-like and, and we can like those people and love those people that if it wasn't for Jesus, <laughs> well, we wouldn't be loving those people, okay? If we didn't know any better and it was just us versus them and there was no God, we, those are not people that we would love or give anything to because we just don't agree with them. But Jesus has showed us how to love. By that we know we have life. That's John's message. And finally, of course, in 1 John 5, beginning at verse 10. He who believes in the Son of God has this witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony. That God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. God has given us eternal life, but the only way we can have it is understanding that this life is in His Son, Jesus. And so we have got to be in His Son, Jesus, in order to access that life. How do we get into Jesus? We're baptized into Christ. That's where the life is. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. God does not want you ignorant. John does not want you ignorant. John said the whole reason I'm writing this stuff is so that you can know. Not so you can hope alone. Not so you can wonder, not so you can think, not so you can process, not so you can worry about, so you can know. None of us are getting any younger, are we? Is there anybody here that's backing up? I mean, I behave like it sometimes, but I mean like really. We're all getting closer to that day, aren't we? Every last one of us is one day closer today than we were 24 hours ago. How Comforting, despite so much that we don't know about the trip from here to there, from the physical world to the spiritual world, despite all the things that we don't know about it, there's something we do know. John said, These things are written that you may know you have eternal life. If you're following God, if you're doing what God told you to do, 
If you trust Him to have all authority and you are submitting to Him and obeying Him and you're walking in the light as He is in the light and you're having fellowship with Him and you're doing everything that you possibly can to do the will of God, can you know when your time comes that you're going to heaven? Can you know that? Absolutely. John said, that's the whole reason I wrote. So you can know that. I have a lengthy invitation tonight. Go ahead, you can close your Bible and just listen. I feel a little, maybe like I imagine Jesus might have felt when he said to the man in John 5 and verse 6, do you want to be made well? I've always wondered about that. Like, of course he wants to be made well, right? But I feel a little like I think Jesus may have, as I asked you tonight, do you want to live? Do you want to live? Do you truly want eternal life? Do you truly have life and do you have it to the absolute fullest? Do you have abundant life? Do you listen to and abide in God's word, taking it deep into your heart and soul at every opportunity so that you can live with Him for all eternity? Do you not only just hear, but do you do what Jesus said to so that nobody can snatch you out of God's hand and take your eternal life away from you? Do you absolutely know that you have eternal life according to the word of the living God tonight? Do you know that? If you have never believed in Him enough to obey His commandments by being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, don't wait another day. Don't remain still in the pews and dead in your sins. Come to the front and be born again. Be raised up to walk. You know what Scripture says? In newness of life. Just like it says in Romans chapter 6 as we stand in